Welcome back to Fieldhouse Friends, everybody, for episode eight. I'm your host, Sam Lance, and I'm here with Connor Becker to talk some Kansas basketball once again. The end of the road for the college basketball season is looming, and the Jayhawks are still standing as a Final Four team after taking care of business this past weekend in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. We'll get to that up next and preview the upcoming Final Four games with a familiar face on Fieldhouse Friends, our guest, Shea Wildeboer of Jayhawk Slam. Welcome back to the Fieldhouse Friends podcast. Last time we were on here, Connor, we kind of talked about there perhaps being a little bit of added pressure around KU to get to the Final Four with the road they had in front of them. If you kind of take a, a look at other teams like Nova, they had to take on Michigan and Houston. Uh, Duke had Texas Tech and Arkansas, which in my opinion is probably the hardest road. And then UNC had UCLA and St. Peter's. But regardless of how easy people thought the Jayhawks' path was, KU took on Providence in the Sweet 16. They beat them. Then they took on Miami in the Elite Eight. They survived that game as well. First, though, we're going to start with that Providence game. Connor, what kind of stood out to you there? Well, it was a close game through the uh, through most of the second quarter, even after probably you know one of the better first steps you could ask for from the Kansas team that we all know. Um, but no, it was that 7-0 run that I alluded to uh, just a second ago. It was you know it came with about 5:49 to left to play, and to have a response like that after you know losing that lead for I think it was the first time in a while, probably since the first half or so, um, that you lose your lead, especially that late with about 5:49 is is tough so having them kind of not retaliate but basically answer that you know that layup is is, is pretty big yeah I mean there's kind of a little bit of a, a scare factor probably for KU fans for a second whenever Providence took the lead 48-47 at that time they were on a 31 to 21 21 run and that is 31 points over the course of about 15 minutes and they were held to 17 points in the first half so KU's defense obviously kind of took a step back there. But really, I think the story in this game was Jalen Wilson and the way he just battled in the second half. He had an and one to retake the lead uh, right after Providence took the lead, and that kind of kicked off the run that we just talked about. Uh, Jalen, he ended the game with 16 points and 11 rebounds. Good for a double-double, but... You know, really what kind of set him apart in this game was just how tough he was. You know, with the game in the balance, he, he knocked down his free throws. He played good defense. He rebounded the ball when Kansas needed it. It was just a great performance from Jalen. I agree. I think that the tournament, he's been one of those players that just doesn't seem to go flat. And I think that's been one of the biggest contributors for Kansas' offense is that having a guy that's ready to, you know, jump on a spark and really not – you know, look at the scoreboard that much or get bogged down by, you know, a missed bucket or two. We used to see Jalen kind of fall into funks, but throughout March in the tournament and even the Big 12 tourney, I really didn't see him, you know, slip into any real, uh, you know, states of disencouragement. Yeah, Jalen in the NCAA tournament so far, you know, 11 points, six rebounds against Texas Southern, not his best game, but he followed that up with 14 and 14 against Creighton, and then he had 16 and 11 against Providence, like we said. And he also added a block and a steal in that game. Uh, played some pretty great defense. But, yeah, I mean, in the second half, KU needed Jalen Wilson. 
to to perform, and he did that. Had some tough buckets. I mean, he he finished five of sixteen from the field. Kind of had maybe a little bit of a rough go of things, but that second half was was something special from him. And he's been you know a key component to to this run so far for Kansas. Another guy who has kind of been a key component to this KU run so far was you know Jalen Wilson's running mate in this game, uh, Remy Martin. He was phenomenal once again, 23 points to lead KU. He had a bunch of free throws down the stretch to, to seal the game. And Self, you know, he trusted him to be out there with the game on the line, playing those late minutes. Uh, you know, we've seen Self do that so far a lot this postseason. But, you know, with, with Martin having that injury, it's it's nice for him to see, see him do that. But... Leading into this game, Martin had led KU in scoring in every single March Madness game. He did it once again against Providence. He's been the X Factor, and I don't think a lot of people expected that, but over the last three or four games and even towards the tail end of the Big 12 tourney, like I talked about with Jalen, you saw Remy really you know, flourish and kind of blossom in a way that we haven't seen. So that's been exciting to watch, but I think now that we've seen him through three or four games, it's now we can start you know, to make some expectations and uh, – Miami, he was a little bit more silent, but that's not saying that he's going to go away. He had plenty of highlights still to be seen, plenty of flashes still there. Martin was certainly really exciting in that that first half. I mean, he was simply electric. Uh, you know, Michael Swain of 24-7 kind of talked about it in one of his stories before the game, but Providence's defense kind of filters you to take those mid-range shots because – uh, you know, they, they really protect the arc well. They protect the paint. Uh, they limit three-point shots. They really get underneath you there. And then their their bigs on ball screen situations kind of sag off uh, and, and don't allow you to get in the lane. And that kind of filters you to take mid-range shots. But it just so happens that Remy Martin is pretty darn good at hitting mid-range shots. And there's this one point... In the first half, I believe it was literally right whenever Remy Martin came in, but he had that, uh, I believe he had two mid-range jumpers uh, in that first half, and then he had the three as well. Uh, He was just incredible, providing KU with energy, Remergy as they say, and really he was the only person who could put the ball in the basket in the first half. Uh, At one point, in the first half, I think there was around two minutes and 30 seconds to go, somewhere around there. Remy Martin had scored 40% of the points in the game, and he was 5 for 8 from the field. Nobody else in the game at that time was shooting above 50% besides Martin. Everyone else was 8 of 46 from you, the field. You're right to bring up how I mean, productive he was in the first half. There were two separate occasions where there was one 7-0 run, with like I think it was six minutes into the game that he just goes off on this 7-0, uh, 7-0 run offensive burst and then he leads another one that ends with a Wilson layup you know not even not even four minutes later so um, watching him in the first half was really kind of mind-boggling to me because it's really thinking or it had, it had me thinking man this guy just is not going to quit and after what we saw against Creighton it was neat to see but to watch him translate that to a team like Providence where you really have to study a different defense that is unique and a little bit harder to crack than some of your bigger names. Um, it, it was it was something else to watch. Yeah, and you, we talk a little bit about Providence's defense. 
I think KU's defense was great in the first half of that game. Providence had no easy looks at the basket. Uh, they were shooting really, really poor from the field. I believe they were at around 30% from the field at halftime. Uh, they just they couldn't get anything going at all. Sorry, they were at 20% from the field at halftime. 7 of 35, Providence was. That's not going to win you many games if you have a half like that. And, you know, then they kind of sparked off and KU played poor defense in the second half. And that was kind of a reverse of, of our, our next topic here, and that is the Miami game in the Elite Eight. Kansas, that game, they started off in the first half, you know, pretty poorly, down by six. Miami put 36 points up on them in the first half. And then what do the what do the Jayhawks do? They hold Miami to 15 points in the second half and end up winning that game. I was actually listening to this on the radio. I couldn't get my, my TV stream to work, so I was listening to the, the, the Brian Haney broadcast, and it felt like a completely different game in the second half just because of how, I mean, the you know from Brian's emotions changed to just you know what was happening on the court. Um, I, I think that does kind of show, though, Kansas is like it maybe not so much an enhancement of their you know resilience, but more of just an awareness. It was a situation where you know you're down six to a team that, frankly, you know really worked their ass off to get there. But you, being the top seed, you cannot let top you know a, a ten seed Miami be leading you at halftime. So I think that might have lit a little bit of a fire in their belly in the second half. Yeah, I mean Jim Laranega for Miami, he is a great coach. He is the only coach ever to lead two double digit two double digit seeds of different schools to the Elite Eight, which is which is pretty remarkable for him to do that. He took George Mason there uh, a while back. But, I mean, the game kind of really changed whenever David McCormick was, was fed in the paint to start the second half. Uh, I mean, it, he kind of had that size advantage over Miami. Uh, he was kind of looking to be the guy going into the game. He didn't have... Uh, a great start. He didn't get a lot of touches. He was perfect from the field. He didn't get a lot of touches, though. But to start the second half, uh, Dave gets fouled. He makes one of two free throws. He throws down that fast break dunk. He kind of had that wild uh, post shot, little jump shot, if you remember that. That was really off balance that he somehow got to fall. Uh, and, and from there, that just sparked KU. Uh, and then, of course, if you remember at the end, of of this insane run from KU, David McCormick gets the and one layup, and I have never ever seen David McCormick react in that way. He was so animated uh, on the sideline. It it was pretty it was pretty cool to see. It was wild to see him have his you know hands in the air and screaming. But I think so to jump back to what I said, you know they were in a position where they did not want to be. They were down six at halftime, and it was. Uh, you know, they're reestablishing themselves as a as, as a top seed, playing that well, and I think McCormick fed off that. And um, to McCormick's um, you know benefit, he starts well in the second half. He comes out of the locker room and he's almost always one of those guys getting the first bucket, you know, back on the floor. Yeah, uh, KU went on a 19 to five run to start the second half, which is insane. Uh, David McCormick, huge part in that. Uh, I mean, Kansas' offense looked like a different offense than it was earlier in the game. Shots were falling at a higher rate, but the defense was just suffocating of Miami. I mean, this is a Miami team 
that that on Ken Palm is a it's a top twenty offense. Like the Miami's offense is no joke. They have a good offense, and KU held them to fifteen points and a half. So that is pretty remarkable. And you know, whenever you play teams like like Villanova, like Duke, Kansas is going to need to lock in on the defensive end. And they showed that they could do that against Miami. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was something like four points in the final, like, eight and a half minutes, which is just in, unreal to watch. And not, mostly because of how uh, how loose Kansas defense seems to play in the second half, or typically they do. Um, but it was refreshing to see Kansas really lock in in the second half and play a lot you know, more competitive defense against a team that really, you know, if it hadn't been for – you know, a couple of shots that didn't fall. Miami could have been ahead by a lot more in the first half. The story of this game, though, I think was kind of Ochai Abaji having him get back on track. I mean, if you look at Ochai Abaji's game log uh, of of the past few games, you know, he's since that uh, Kentucky game, Ochai hasn't been the best from from shooting the three uh, and such. In March Madness, he had 11 points against Texas Southern, pretty quiet. 15 points against Creighton, uh, pretty quiet for Ochai. Didn't shoot the ball well, just 5 of 14. And then he was 2 of 8 against Providence and only had 5 points. Providence completely neutralized Ochai. So for him to lead Kansas in scoring uh, and kind of get back uh, in the swing of things against Miami is probably a good vote for his confidence. And, and for him going into uh, you know the Final Four, he was 8 for 12 from the field had five rebounds and four assists, so he was sharing the ball well. I think Ochai was probably the story of, of that game. It's not a lot, but I think we're seeing him play a little bit more conservatively, and that's just because it is his last, you know, his last postseason. But that's not really stopping him from getting himself in the mix and being able to uh, make momentum-shifting plays when he needs to. And I think so far, when Kansas has turned to him and they need a bucket from Ochai, he's come through. I think there's been a lot of buckets, though, where he's been – you know, struggling to get shots to fall early and really, you know, kind of slipping out of the conversation in terms of Kansas offense, and they're going to have, you know, they're learning to work without him, um, and they have. But uh, I think you're going to look at this final four, and you're going to watch Ochai be called upon, whether it's the second half or maybe they're, you know, before halftime, if you need a little bucket to grab the lead before uh, going into the locker room. It'll be interesting to watch, you know, how Ochai responds in probably the most pressured environment that he'll face in his college career. Yeah, kind of talking about, you know, pressuring environments. Uh, you know, KU, they they kind of felt the pressure at the free throw line against Miami. 13 misses at the line. They went 13 of 26, 50% from the free throw line. Usually that's not going to translate to winning basketball, but KU won this game by, by 26 points. And they left 13 points at the free throw line. So that kind of just tells you, like, you know, KU is a really good team. And they're going to have a chance to prove it against all the Blue Bloods in this Final Four. That's what we're going to get to next with our guest Shay Wildeboer of Jayhawk Slant coming up next on Fieldhouse Sports. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fieldhouse Friends. We have Shay Wildeboer of Jayhawks land on standby, but before we get his thoughts, I just wanted to comment on how awesome this Final Four is going to be. I'll be in there in New Orleans covering for 24-7 Sports and KUJH. Connor will be there as well. 
Uh, and I'm just really excited to go there and witness my first Final Four. So, Shay, that brings me to my first question. Do you remember the first time you went to the Final Four? I do. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. It was 2012, um, Kansas, in New Orleans. Um, it was Kansas. That was the Kansas, Ohio State, Kentucky, and, oh, I'm going to, I should be put on a pedestal for, for forgetting it. Um, someone needs to find out. I think that's who it was. I know it was Kansas, uh, UCLA, I'm sorry, Ohio State. Kentucky and the last school is um, I can't remember, but yeah, I, I drove drove down in one day. It was it was Louisville. Um, Louisville, yep. Louisville. Are you there? Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. It was in okay, New yeah, Orleans. It was Louisville, right? Yeah, it was Louisville down in New Orleans. Yep. yep. And uh, obviously, you know, they, Kentucky had a generational player in Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, but I, I remember everything. I remember the hotel. I remember the drive down. I remember the sights, the sounds, um, the feeling of excitement, the press conferences. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember it all like it was yesterday. And it's cool now because I'm going back to that same place, um, obviously, 10 years later. I have my son here with me um, on the drive. And so, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's just one of those things, guys, that people talk about and, you see on TV and all those things, but to actually experience it firsthand and like be up close and personal and, and have your credential with your picture on it. And, um, you know, the, the practices and the, the press conference, everything It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly something you never, um, you never forget. Shay, uh, Kansas went again in 2018. Um, I'm not sure if you went down there or not, but just in total, how many final fours have you been to maybe as maybe a fan or also for the slant, uh, what what's the number of Final Fours you've actually seen? I was there. I was, I was there in 2018. Um, for the obviously the Villanova just dominated Kansas. It was never a game. They came out and I remember just hit shot after shot, and nothing Kansas could do or any team that day. Um, quite frankly, uh, there was nothing any team could have done. But yeah, so I was there in 2012, 2018, um, and obviously this year um, didn't go in 2008. My son was just born, and, uh, you know, I just made the decision that I needed to be home as a first-time father. Um, looking back on it, you know, I, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have done it the same way, man. Just, you know, that experience of being a dad for the first time and um, just being around and being present and um, all those things. So, yeah, uh, I think this will be my third. Um, it never gets something that never gets old. It's something that never gets dull or something that you never dread doing or listen guys we're paid to cover basketball i mean seriously like i'm getting paid to go down and cover a final four and um and again as i mentioned earlier the joy of it for me is having my son with me i don't think it really gets any cooler than that you know i think about like like being tyler self um and you know getting to experience those things with his dad or um you know greg Gurley's kids are always around you know getting to experience that part of it um so obviously it's kind of different um different stages of how you experience it but yeah it's it's you know we're gonna we're gonna uh, get to i'm guessing memphis or maybe outside memphis tonight and get a hotel and and have a guy's trip and then get there tomorrow for the media or for the team hotel and uh you know just just experience it all so yeah i remember them all 
Um, never had the opportunity to um, be on hand when, um, you know, that final buzzer sounds and Kansas is on top. But uh, I certainly remember them. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 again, I'm looking forward to this opportunity and, and can't wait to get out there and, uh, and get things going. Well, obviously everyone loves the experience of going to the Final Four. Um, but it, from, from your witnessing of, you know, the on-court product at the Final Four, you, you've seen three, you've said, or, no, you will see three after this one. Um, what, what have been some, you know, particular standout moments from it on the floor that you just, you know, can't can't forget? You mean from previous ones or just this one's? Previous ones. Um, just, you know, I, like I remember I always get there, taking the team shuttle, getting there early, uh, you know, spending time with the guys. And then getting there and just watching the guys warm up, watching the coaches, I'm watching the refs. Um, you know, in, in 2012, guys, I got to be honest. Like, I, I, I had a feeling that Kansas was going to have to play perfect, and that, and that's kind of, and, and I'm sure they felt the same way. And that's kind of a, um, I'm guessing from a player's perspective, that would kind of be, I'm knowing that you almost have to be perfect. I mean, it's like, you know, again, Anthony Davis was at that time something. I don't know if I'd ever seen before. Just a guy that um, was just an absolute beast on both sides of the ball. A kid that grew a ton in high school and ended up being the number one player. So, yeah, I, I, you know what? On game day, on Saturday, and, and if Kansas is fortunate enough to be um, there Monday, just just taking it all in, man, watching the guy. And, and I remember there, you guys, in 2012 in New Orleans, I turn around and I've got Jay-Z behind me, and he asked me if I can charge his phone. I've got uh, – um, Phil Knight, um, obviously the Nike guy, um, and, and his name is, is slipping my mind, but I know Calipari's like right-hand man, and I can't remember his name, um, guy that's well-known in the recruiting ranks. Um, so, yeah, everywhere you look, there's like, there's like, uh, there, there's famous people. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, I'll, I'll never forget at the end of that Kentucky game, um, leaving my seat and Jay-Z, uh, you know, putting out his hand for knuckles or whatever they call it, dab or, and just, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's not just all about the game. It's, it's the things that happened before the game, the atmosphere, the, um, I saw, um, again, you guys, I'm terrible with, with names. Uh, the famous Kentucky fan, um, the actress was there. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a whole different scene, a whole different atmosphere. Uh, and it's just like a completely different element of college basketball. And it, it seems like this, Final Four in particular, I mean, you have Coach K in his last season, and they're playing North Carolina for the first time in NCAA history. I mean, that and there's going to be a ton of insane media attention around that. And then you have KU and Villanova on the other side, four really just blue blood programs battling out. So, Shay, how excited are you to just be there maybe with some of these storylines uh, nationally that kind of stick out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, listen, you guys, um, I haven't done a ton of reading, um, simply because I've just been on the road for two weeks. Um, but, you know, Kay's last run. And who does he have to go against? Carolina. I mean, and, and, and Carolina, a team that – and I have to go back and look, you guys, but a, a team that really started out slow. Um, I know there was a point in the season where I think fans began to question the decision to hire Hubert Davis. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden now things have, have turned around, obviously. Um, Coach Kay losing on senior night and telling the fans to be quiet, be quiet, you know, this isn't okay, um, you know, and reassuring them that, um, you know, that they were going to make a run. And then you got Kansas, Villanova, both have won nine straight, I believe. 
um, both 30-game winners. Um, obviously, Villanova dealing with a um, just a devastating injury, you know, late in that game, and an injury you never want to see. To me, like in 2008 when Kansas won it all, the great thing about that was is there was no question the top four teams uh, had advanced in the Final Four. I mean, there was no question that the winner of that Final Four was undoubtedly going to be the top team in college basketball. You know, you lose a guy um, uh, like Villanova did, and then you've got Carolina as an eight seed. Um, you know, you've got – I think Carolina as an eight seed. Uh, the storyline with Duke, um, you know, I know a lot of people think Duke can win it. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, Kansas is the team. But after that, you know, you've got Villanova with some injuries or a major injury from Carolina that kind of came on late. So, yeah, it was just – you know, K's last run, and, and what if it is Kansas or Villanova that puts an end to, to K's career? Or what if, you know, Carolina uh, wins the rubber match and um, K walks off into the sunset? And, I mean, it's just, you know, can, can it be Kansas and, and um, you know, Carolina and Roy Williams' his two favorite schools? And, I mean, just, you know, Mitch Lightfoot and Connor Tian coming back and, um, you know, getting a second opportunity at this or Ochai or just – I mean, you look at – anything i mean there's just a ton of storylines but I, I i feel bad for villanova um you know and, and really you guys if you look at it, that's been ku's nemesis in the tournament 2016 Devontae graham gets the bad foul and fouls out 2018 it's never a game um you know in 2008 when ku won they beat villanova on their route or, or on their road so yeah gonna be exciting um tough to look forward to and it, it's just it's just you know something you um you know, it's not something you can make up or it's not something that you could have ever imagined. I mean, there it is, K's last run, Carolina is an seed, you know, Villanova back again after winning in 16 and 18, Kansas back, uh, you know, after really being the top team in 2020 and getting hit with COVID last year and kind of limping out. And So, yeah, definitely excited, man, ready to ready to get this thing going. Got a long day ahead of me, um, but I'm, I'm definitely excited at all the storylines and what could potentially be. For sure, Shay, and just – Kind of moving on to some basketball now, what have you seen from Villanova just throughout the tournament and, and maybe this season? It's going to be a battle. I mean, I, I know obviously it's a key injury, um, second leading score, um, you know, but this is the team that's been through everything. I mean, you know, nine nine straight wins. I think they finished second in the Big East to Providence. Um, and and been t- obviously it's going to be um, the first game um, – you know, without their guy, that, that I, you know, it, it's going to be a game where I think they're going to come out and, and be ready to go. I do. I just – Jay is just one of those coaches that never um, never makes any excuses. Um, you know, Justin Moore started all 36 games, um, averaged 34 minutes a game. Um, you know, it was a guy that could hit some threes, and, and he's just – I mean, he's, he, he's – you know, he's, he's an emotional guy, and losing that is tough. But I, I, I expect – Jay Wright with the time he has, um, you know, he'll be ready. He'll have those guys ready. He'll make the, the necessary adjustments. It'll kind of be a, a next man up thing. And, you know, I think for most teams, um, and I believe this, I think for most teams an injury like this would be cause for concern, but I, I'm not I'm not so sure that's the case. Uh, Shay, I was going to ask you just a quick sec. We, you touched on Justin Moore a little bit, and I alluded to this a little bit in a story I put out this morning. Um, but just not having Justin Moore for Villanova, you know, he's the second leading scorer on the team. You lose him at like a really, I mean, probably the worst time you could lose a, you know, a star player. For sure. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on Saturday night for 
not just me, uh, Villanova's mental state, but you know, from a from a talent wise, from talent wise. Well, just I, you know, I think it all obviously they're they're going to miss him. Um, they are. I mean, again, it's a guy you just you just can't replace. Um, but again, I, I I have a hard time. I think it depends on how Kansas starts out too. You know, you know if Kansas comes out and continues on um, the first half against Villanova, like the second half against Miami. I mean, I think there's going to be some problems. Um, but I, I just think Villanova, um, the way they do things, I think, you know, with, uh, with Gillespie's leadership and th- those guys in the way, um, and Jay Wright prepares, he's going to maybe try to muddy things up or, um, you know, get, get, get guys in, in Kansas frustrated, throw maybe some different looks. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a loss, no doubt. But I, I, I just – I don't think it's going to be the type of loss that just um, – Completely, completely sheets them out of the game. I mean, I think I think they'll come ready to play. I do. I, I, again, I said this earlier. I think it'll be the next man up approach. Again, it may have to be a couple of guys. I do, I do. But I think if any of the four teams or any of the eight teams that were left remaining, if any team um, that's gonna suffer an injury at that stage of the season and be okay, um, I think it'll be Villanova. I do. I just again, you guys have a ton of respect for Jay Wright and the job he's done. Um, just, there's just something about the way that he conducts his business and the way that he runs that program and the way he, um, you know, he always has his guys ready to go. Um, it, to, to me, it's just always been something that I, I really respected. Listen, they came out in 2018 and they put a beat down on Kansas like I'd never seen. I mean, an absolute beat down. I mean, I was there and it was never a game. It was never a game. I think Udoka, if I, if I remember correctly, I'll have to go back and look. I think maybe Doak scored the first two points of the game in Kansas led. And if you guys want to research this, that'd be great. Um, two nothing. And I think Villanova from that point on just blasted it. Or maybe it was McCormick. Uh, for some reason, I want to say it was, it was Udoka. Um, yeah, it was, it was a never game. It was never a game. And they, believe me, with, with a national championship appearance on the line and a chance to win another title like they did in 16 and 18, his guys will be ready. No doubt about it. And, and Jay Jay's squad really isn't you know uh, you know hitting the panic button in terms of paint presence because they do have their third best score is a, you know he's a forward Jermaine Samuel um, and he's going to be matched up with McCormick now almost you know definitely you're probably going to see that matchup take place. Um, what what do you think about that newfound kind of uh, battle because probably Samuel wasn't going to you know expect that matchup but now you're you know you have a guy who's going to be thrown into a, a new situation in arguably the most pressured stage in college basketball yeah, for sure I, I, I do think it, it'll be something to watch I mean you're going to have a, a guy obviously that um, played behind somebody for you know more I think started 36 games so almost every game um, I'm, I'm going to say this and I believe this I know Villanova is going to have some adjustments to make and they're going to have to rely on maybe some guys and they don't have a lot of depth what did they play last game uh, six or seven guys I think I, um, I think they played seven I, Go ahead. I, I, I think they played seven guys, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I think, to me, like, when I look at this matchup, I think this has as much to do about Kansas as anything. This is a team, really, um, that the last two times that they played in this tournament against Villanova, um, is really, I mean, the years that they lost to Villanova, Villanova won it. You have, obviously, KU's performance last year against USC, which was horrible. Um, you know, they didn't make the tournament the year before COVID. Um then you lose to Villanova in 2018. Guys like Ochai and Jalen and David um, and, and Remy and, and some of those other guys either transferred in or came back for this moment. 
um, there's nothing they can do um, about Villanova and, and the injuries they suffered and the setbacks they've had. The one thing they can do, and I think Coach Self alluded to this today, is be ready to play. Um, you, you know, they, they have that taste in their mouth of 2018 of what happened. I mean, they remember it, and it was nasty, and it was a long ride home. Um, so I, I, I think Saturday's matchup is more about Kansas. And listen, that first half against Miami, I thought they were – I mean, and this is just me. I thought they were really extremely tight. Um, you know, the shots weren't falling. They were three of nine from the free throw line, zero of five from behind the arc. Um, uh, Villanova's big guy, I think, was uh, Cameron McGusty. You know, had twelve or fourteen points. And then you know they're down six, could be eight or nine. Bill puts in, or coach puts in, um, AJ Adams, um, who forces a, a turnover of McGusty. And then the second half, they outscore forty-seven fifteen. I think when Kansas is at its best, when they're playing that way, or like when they're playing against Baylor, when they're getting up and down the court, hitting shots, um, you know, doing the things that they're capable of doing, that's when they're at their best. I think if Kansas worries about Kansas, and I believe this, I think they'll be fine. Um, obviously, preparing for Villanova, um, you, you know, with the, the lineup that Villanova is going to put on the court, is going to, um, you know, it's going to be something that they didn't expect. A week ago, when they were potentially looking at this, but Justin Moore's out, KU's healthy, and it's, it's you know, it's just, it's just all about them and, and the things that they're able to do, and um, you know, being fully prepared for whatever Villanova has to has to bring us in that night. Shay, if you had to give a couple keys to the game, what would you say? I mean, Ochai needs to get going. I mean, you guys, I've said that you guys saw the, the you know, when Kansas really got going against Miami, you know, Abaji. I think I'm trying to remember who it was. It was either Mitch or Remy blocked the shot on the defensive end, got the ball to Oach. Oach missed the layup, um, saved the ball going out of bounds to Wilson. Wilson hit Ochai in the corner, and Oach hit a three. Um, when he's hitting shots and when he's dunking the ball and, and getting up and down in transition and playing with a um, you know a, a level of confidence and swagger that that, that, that we saw um, for most of the season, I think you know KU's tough, man. I mean he's and um, if he's on top of his game, I think he's as good as anybody. You, you know, can they get that type of production also, you know, coming off the, that energy from Remy Martin, you know, five or six minutes into the game? Can he continue to be that guy that's, um, you know, hitting timely shots, getting guys involved, playing with a ton of energy, trying to get the crowd involved? Um, just, just that guy. And I was reminded of this today, you know, in 2018, uh, Malik Newman was as good as anybody in March. Today, Bill Self said he was the best guard in America for three weeks. Now, I don't, I, I, I don't know if if if, if Remy um, has had that type of impact yet, but he's been damn good. I mean, he's been, he's had games of you know in a tournament of, of 15, um, you know, 23, 20 um, against Miami. He wasn't as effective scoring the ball. I think he had nine, six rebounds, three assists, um, and a steal or two. But when he plays that energy, he's a difference maker. Um, you know, de- defensively, can KU continue to defend the way they did the last twenty, uh, you know, the last twenty minutes against Miami? You know, can Dewan continue to wreak havoc? Um, you know, Jalen, Jalen needs to be a guy that's aggressive on the glass. And when he's aggressive on the glass, Kansas is tough. Uh, McCormick again, just being um, that emotional guy in the paint. You know, that three point play he had in the second half, I thought was about as big as any play that game. Just. You know, playing with that energy, that fire, that passion. And, um, you know, he's a guy that Kansas needs to count on. So those are some of the things. You know, I mean, if you can get some quality bench minutes from Mitch, um, who, 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 
surprise me if he had a big final four. I mean, you guys, he's got that over-the-shoulder hook shot that um, has been really well to Kansas, been good to Kansas. Um, if he plays within his element, um, you know, he's a shot blocker. Again, defensively, uh, Ochai was a shot blocker the other night when he had four against Providence, I think. Um, so, yeah, just have fun. I mean, they just need to have fun, play their games, play loose. Um, don't try to play outside of your element or your comfort zone. And if they do those things, I think they'll be fine. Shay, one last little thing to wrap up the the program here. It, it, some people it might be an easy decision. Some people might be kind of a tough call. Uh, if you had to pick a Final Four MVP right now for Kansas, who are you going to grab? At, at, right now at this point? Yep. I mean, I think based off Remy's play being the, named the most outstanding player in the Midwest Regional, I, I would go with Remy. Um, but I think, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for these last two games. I mean, you know, Dave McCormick was on the all-region team. Um, I believe it was Christian Brown, or was it Brown? or was it, I think Brown or Wilson, one of those two, um, you know, was on the all-region team. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of guys that are capable of that. But just based on kind of what we've seen so far, if Remy continues to play and has the impact that he does, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If, if, if Kansas wins the title – and Kansas is, is is able to um, you know push through and get number two under Bill. There's there's a there's no doubt in my mind that he he has the chance. But I think you know if Oates comes out too and and has a big weekend, um, you know leads KU to a title, comes back from you know comes back for a senior year and all those things. Um, you know I think he's going to do it too. So I think you know there, there are a number of guys, but the, the the two guys to me that stand out right now for sure are. Um, you know, Remy and uh, Ochai. Gotcha, Shay. Well, that is going to wrap it up for Fieldhouse Friends today. If you want to keep up with our coverage, we will be there in New Orleans, Connor and I. And, of course, Shay is on his way there right now. But thank you for joining us on today's episode of Fieldhouse Friends, and we'll be back with potentially a special national championship episode on Monday. Stay tuned.